Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On, on charging today, oh, can't happen. Can't happen. That can't happen. It's so painful because I think after uh, Manchester United, I told you I wasn't disappointed with the performance. Um, but today, of course, it's so painful to concede two goals like this. It's so painful, the first half, it looks like a friendly game. And, uh, yes, yeah, very, very disappointing. Very disappointing because it's too difficult to understand if you want to be a contender first. Uh, it's my, 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 I am the guilty of everything, but it's so difficult to understand because uh, I think we control the, the game the first uh, 45 minutes. But this is like, a, okay, it's uh, to play football rather to compete. Uh, looks easy, the game, because we dominate the ball. Uh, we didn't concede because, uh, of course, Watford was poor in the first f- 45 minutes. And, OK, we are going to score in second half. But when you score, you keep going, playing in the same way. And then we start to change and start to play long ball. And then we concede two goals that if you want to be a contender, you cannot uh, concede. You need to, to show your strength, of course. We need to still, it's at the beginning. And it's important. I think it's very good uh, wake um, wake up call for everyone, um, and listen more that the people talk about the reality and not about the perception. And today is a good compare. It's good to compare the, the sometimes the people talk about the perception, but the reality was on the pitch. And the reality is, um, if you want to to be a contender. Today you need to you need to win and should be should be win and win uh, easy because I seen um, every everything that uh, was was ready to to win the game. But you know that is is very painful. But I am not upset. Eh? I was um, uh, more upset uh, after Monday, of course. After uh, a game like Manchester United, that I told you after the first half, if the game is the result is three one for Manchester United. I've seen everyone agree, and after you win the game, and and I think you need to respect more this competition. We need to show more respect to this competition. You need to compete much, much better, and it's it's difficult for me to understand because after four years that we were a contender, you need to to show respect because to compete for to win, 
it's not easy. And the man a lot. And the Premier League is so, so tough. That is why after the third game, because you beat Manchester United, in that circumstance that you beat Manchester United, I think we need to be more caution. And, and I think that is good to pay today and feel the painful. Sure, it's going to help us for the future and to be better. Um, I was a little bit, of course, very, very disappointed. And, um, and uh, my message, I think you, you, you hear my message. Um, today, from the beginning, we need to go there like a lion and, 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 and try to score in every single action. And was like, OK, we play football, we play football. But we play football, but aggressive, aggressive. And from the beginning, no, OK, we're going to spend a very good afternoon here. Of course, it's disappointing because, OK, in the second half we score. But and then more strength, more aggressive in the, this situation. Because in every single game, you are going to find this, uh, this type of situation every single uh, Manchester City last season, the season before um, Chelsea, the season before all that won the, the Premier League, concede the chances like this. But if you want to win, you need to show that character that uh, you need to defend well. Maybe if you don't play so well, but you need to win uh, this type of game if you want to be a contender on the end. Hello guys and welcome back to yet another edition of The Last Word on Spurs. As I'm sure you're aware, you can follow the show across a variety of different platforms. We are of course on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us across Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram. Now, new to this season, which we're hoping you would have gauged by now, Last Word on Spurs is also featuring on Love Sport Radio on a weekly basis on a Tuesday. Now, you can catch us on the show between the hours of 7pm to 9pm in the UK. We're on 558am and DAB Radio. That's 558am and DAB Radio. Now, the Spurs Fan Show, which is what we're representing, is all about you guys, the fans. So we would love to hear your thoughts on a weekly basis whilst we're discussing all things Tottenham Hotspur. You can do that by calling us on the show between the hours of 7pm to 9pm on the UK on... 0208 7020558 that's 0208 7020558 and all you need to simply do is stick plus 44 in front of it and your country code if you're calling from outside the UK we would love to get you involved guys in that weekly show so please do get in touch and as always enjoy the podcast Delighted to be joined by some of the chaps that are going to give us a therapy for the next hour. First up, a favourite of the show and a regular to the podcast, it's John Mannings. John, how are you coping? <laughs> Evening, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm all good. I'm looking forward to it. We need your therapy tonight, John. Let's get it out of our systems, mate. We'll, we'll be all right. There's a lot of people holding the candle out there for you, John. There's a lot of people that's got a lot of love for you and we're relying on you tonight, mate. Oh, pressure. Pressure. Yeah, I do. Pressure, what pressure? Joining John tonight, another favourite of ours returning to the show. Everyone remembered him from last season. We've gone and got him back, especially for this kind of game. We've got the wonderful Sammy Powell back on the show. Sammy, how are you? <laughs> yeah, very well, thank you, mate. Very nice intro. I appreciate that. I mean, I don't know if, if everybody's going to think the same of me. I'm normally absolutely <laughs> buzzing from a win, giving it my all. But I have to say, I do have some positives. But um, I'm sharing everybody's heartbreak at the moment. But listen, we need to club together and, uh, and, and get over this. Most certainly, most certainly. And finally, last but not least, we are handing out a debut tonight, and that is to Carl from Lily White underscore Spurs. Carl, how are you? I'm good, Ricky. Nice to be here. 
Uh, I'm no therapist myself, but I'm going to do my best to put a positive spin on this. Thank you. I'm sorry, Cole, we couldn't give you a debut under better circumstances. Uh, it's still good. Still good to be talking about Spurs, no Top matter man. what. Lovely. Always the way, isn't it? Bring on new debutants. This is what you get, a defeat. But hey-ho, let's get straight into it. John, I'm going to come to you first. Well, where do we start from it, eh, John? I mean, listen, John, we'll accept Watford. They're unbeaten and start the season well. However, surely, John, if Tottenham have any aspirations of challenging for the title, and I mentioned the word challenging, not winning the title, these are surely the places, Vicarage Road, where you have to go and perform and win. A poor, sloppy performance where they just seem to want it more than us, John, in that second half. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was... Uh, it, it, do you know what? It's, a, it's indicative of our start to the season, to be honest. I think... What Jermaine Genus ended up saying yesterday was a bit daft, I think, about us not being able to win ugly. In my opinion, we've not played well for probably not even a whole half of any game yet this season. Not to the not to the levels we know we can reach. So it was another one of them where we did needed. It was more, there was more pressure on this one yesterday than I think going up to Old Trafford because you, you don't necessarily expect a result there. And like you say, you're going to Vicarage Road. Being the, you know, having the, the kind of aspirations that we have for this season, you've got to be winning. You've got to be winning. You know, they hadn't beaten us for what was it thirty years or whatever it was in the league, and you go there and you think, right, it's a tough, it's a tough game, of course. Like you say, they've had a good start to the season, but you, you're thinking we're going to be the ones to bring a, bring them back down to earth, and obviously it ended up uh, being being the other way around. Mm, disappointing afternoon, mate. Yeah, very disappointing. Um, let me bring it around to you, Sammy. Some will argue that was a typical Spurs performance, wasn't it? After the Lord Mayor show, you know, go up to Old Trafford, tear Man United apart so convincingly and beat them 3 0. And then to go to the degree, Sammy, where we go to Watford, don't even register a shot on target. And something that Pochettino was alluding to before the game about, you know, don't show a lack of complacency. And we just seem to crumble in that second half. What did you make of it, Sammy? <laughs> Um, yeah, Pochettino, he was he was dropping the hints, wasn't he, mate, all week? Um, and, and some of them, I think, subliminable. Some of them, we don't know what's happened in the background uh, for him to have field the squad. I'm sure we're going to get onto that with him making the switch up. But, um, yeah, it, it, it was just bizarre. I, I wasn't expecting to be going there. Well, listen, I told you that we'd, be, we'd have a record-breaking season. I just didn't think it would be the record that we broke by getting fucking beaten by Watford in the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? But it's happened. and uh, Yeah, I'm, there's plenty to discuss from my perspective, mate. The manager, in my opinion, is getting blamed. I think he was setting out the warning signs from the beginning after Man United. Don't get complacent. And, you know, I know he changed the squad, but that squad at 1-0 up, mate, looked complacent. And for me, just not good enough from the players. We didn't look like we were at the races. We didn't. I'm coming over to you, Carl. Let's get your thoughts on the game because the defeat to Watford was actually the first time where Spurs have lost a game that we'd been leading in the Premier League since November 2016. And that ends around 48 league matches without defeat when taking the lead at any stage. What did you make of the game, Carl? Uh, yeah, like it seemed we took the lead and just seemed to hit the self-destruct button, to be honest. Like uh, a lot of players just seemed to be exhausted really like really lackluster it was like they gave their all against man united and admittedly brilliant result there but really the complacency just set in it was like we were gifted a goal and then they sort of sat back like job done and admittedly watford they full credit to them they they really put in a good performance they defended really well and like i know it was difficult to get the goal and we were gifted a goal but really it should have been sort of sorted the throw from there on and secured a win but they seem yeah. to just sit back and think, like, job done from there on. You can't overlook a team, Ricky, mm. that are on a roll. 
That's yep. the big thing for me. If if the, if it was Watford who were normally Watford, mm. mid-season, up, down, mistakes everywhere, the, you know, bringing out a second team, so I say a second team, but come on, there were changes made that we're all surprised by. We're already using excuses for him by the time we kicked off. But the bottom line is, they're on a, the momentum that a club has when it's on a roll, the passion is sometimes worth more than the skill. And you see a club like Watford, when they're absolutely on fire, you need to be taking note and need to be, you know, and that's where I can see why a lot of people are blaming Pochettino. But I would be thinking they're on a roll. You treat them. Man United are on a, a, a decline. They're yeah. on a decline. They mm-hmm. had a weak point and we, and, and we took advantage of that. Watford aren't on a decline. They're having the best start to a season ever. Yeah. So you field your big guns and you go for it. That's my opinion. Okay, well, let's take some questions in, guys. I cannot thank you enough. We've got about 40, 50 questions coming in here. Obviously, we're not going to cover them all, but we'll try our best to cover as many as we can. Let's go back to you, John. Question from Paul Naldo, who says, does anyone seriously believe that we can actually challenge for the title? And if so, why? Top four would be a good achievement, but no progression, question mark. John, let's get your thoughts on that. It's so early on in the season, isn't it, to kind of give a verdict at this stage? The thing is, the, the, the optimist in me says, of course we can. You know, we're four games in, we've got nine points. That's a, that's a good start. That is a good start. It's the mm. best start to a season over the course of the last four years. I think yep, it's that's gone right. Like, yeah, yep. three, seven, six and nine or something like that over the mm. last four years. So, looking at the fixtures, this is the trouble I have. When you take the game in, in isolation, as Sammy's just brilliantly put there, there was a ball ache yesterday because you know we should be getting a result there. But then yep. when you take it, when you look at the... The teams we've played, the fact that we've played three away games and only one at home, which ain't even really at home, it's at Wembley. And the fact that we were, you know, one of them away games was Man United, where we, we've won, what, twice since 1990. You go, I would probably have took nine out of 12 before before the, the kick-off at Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? But now you, you get them three wins on the bounce and you go to Watford away and it's just it's just gutting. I think... We can challenge, but these are the kind of games, you know what I mean, this can't happen. No, we have and to I win these, don't we, John? These are the games, we do, really, we yeah, have to win. Of course we do, but then if you look at it on the other hand, we won at Newcastle away last season. We, we've we got a really good record against newly promoted teams, so uh, we, we obviously Fulham weren't in the league last year, but we say that was a win anyway. Yeah. We got a draw at Watford last season, and we lost at Old Trafford. So we're points up still. That's a, I can't help but look at it like that. I know I'm, oh, I might be a little bit blinkered and a little bit... Uh, <laughs> Every optimist. Look at Every the it's called optimism that's and we love, love it. You, and we love it. That's why we love you. The thing is, that's, I, can't, I can't not look at it like that. Just because football, for me, it's not like... Yeah, it's massively important. Don't get me wrong. More people will forget my name than will forget which football team I support. <laughs> it's one of them. It's, it's, it's ingrained in all of us. We love it. But you can't... I'm going to get too depressed about this. It's, it's one, one defeat... Out of four, we won the other three. We got nine points. We're, we're sitting fairly prettily in the in the Premier League at the moment, and this result we'll know more about how important this result was by the time we've played Liverpool because that's another one where we won last season. So if we can still if we can match with last season's home result against Liverpool, and you've won four out of five and you've got twelve points from five, then it, then it it removes the, the the bad feelings I think that we're feeling at the moment. It all depends on how we get on there. And the fact is, mm. the last time we lost two Premier League games on the trot was May the 8th and May the 15th, 2016. Southampton at White Hart Lane, the last time before they knocked the uh, the, the shelf Northside corner down. 
and then away at Newcastle on the last game where we lost 5-1. That was the last time we lost two on the bounce. So, Ouch. Don't remind me of that. Us, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is, so since then, that's two and a half years ago, since then, every single defeat we've had has been followed up by a positive result. Yeah. So as long as we can manage that this time, then in my opinion, we're still definitely challenging. We'd be challenging anyway, but we'd still be challenging. If we can take points from Liverpool, who will be a, a, a direct contender for, for the league, at this early stage, then then it's still a really really good start. So like I say, let's get let's get to Liverpool first, and then I'll be I'll give you a maybe a, depending on whether I'm feeling optimistic still or pessimistic, I'll give you a different answer maybe. But for now, <laughs> we're still challengers without a doubt, hundred percent. Okay, good Jeff, shout. Yeah, agree. Good shout. Jeff Knight says was disappointed by the response of both players and Pochettino in the face of Watford's tough fight to win at attitude all costs. They punched us in the nose, and we never seem to have a response. And to be fair. I think Jeff is spot on. Let me come back round to you there, Sammy. So Z-Man at Spurs Dog 1, he refers to what you were talking about, complacency, and he says, when the manager makes a statement about squad complacency and Monday means nothing, referring to the Man United game, if they don't perform today, in terms of Watford, he should include himself in that. Needed Dyer as soon as Spurs went one up to lock down the midfield. Long season, learn from mistakes. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. You were kind of, in a way, separating yeah. Pochettino from the team. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't. I mean, listen, the, the, there's two sides to this. There's always two sides to it. There's the player's commitment and there's the manager's choice. And that and that's it. I mean, let, let, how can I put this to you? It's like, here come one of my amazing philosophies for you, Ricky. <laughs> here we go. It's like, it's like taking Dom Perignon round to all your rich mates' houses when you go around <laughs> to see him. Yeah, and then and then when you go to your pals who are a bit less fortunate, taking a bottle of Blossom Hill, you know your pals are being insulted and think you're taking the piss. And for me, you, you know you should never drop your standards. As I think Watford saw straight through us mm. and thought, oh, really? And they went straight for the jugular. The bottom line is we're a Don Perignon team. You know you take bon, Don Perignon to every fucking party and you make it happen. The, I think what's happened is they've seen Pochettino's selection, and I think. They just had one up on us, mate. They went for the jugular. They went heavy on us. And I just think we were surprised by it. Uh, ben Davies, out of his depth a little bit, I have to say. Um, you know, I, I, I think looking at the standards we've got at the back now, Ben Davies is, is, is and I love the lad. I love him. He, he's average compared to what we've got there. Um, yeah, I think I think they were starstruck. They're on the back foot. Lucky to have the goal. It's it, It's messy. Mate, um, and do you know what? I have to agree. Eric Dyer coming on and those changes made sooner, I do think they would have made a massive difference to the game. Okay, I'm going to bring over to Kyle now. So, just to kind of remind listeners out there, Spurs reverted to a back three for the game for the visit to Watford. Sanchez was a calling place of Danny Rose, the starting 11. We had Michelle Vaughan replacing the injured Hugo Lloris. Davis came in for Dyer while Wanyan was back on the bench. As Spurs made three changes from the side that did tear Man United apart. Just on the point there, Carl, in relation to Pochettino's tactics. Now, we've rightly praised Pochettino so far this season for his in-game management, being cuter with his tactics. But when it comes to, you know, looking at the way that game was panning out against Watford, you know, once we went one up, you could see any Spurs fan out there would surely see that we were starting to lose that midfield battle. Was you not stunned yeah. that we didn't bring on the likes of a, a Winks or a Dyer or a Wanyama even? Just because you could see Spurs are losing control of that midfield. Yeah, I, I do think Dembele was pretty poor in that game. Um, he did seem to be lost at sea for much like large parts of it. I think he's 
uh, best suited when someone more defensive minded is next to him. So I definitely think maybe die or we could really do if Wanyama back, he'd be like a massive boost. Him and Dembele together are like a dynamic duo they are. So I think, I mean, I'm Pochettino's biggest fan at times. Mm. So I like hate to criticize him, but yeah, he isn't yeah. exempt off the criticism. So, I mean, sometimes his in-game management can be pretty poor and sometimes he's slow to react to things. So I do think yesterday things need to change. And I, I do like three at the back, but I mean, especially with Sanchez, Alderweireld and Vertonghen, they're three brilliant centre-backs and I love it when they play together. But I do think at times we need that two at the back and then two in midfield. And that just solidifies things up. And especially when we took the lead yesterday, you could see Watford were having to go for goal. They were def- like definitely going directly for sort of putting balls into the box and stuff. So we were probably best suited just to sit back and counter-attack. And I think if that had been seen earlier, we could have made the changes. I mean, Lorente coming on really confused me. I didn't understand what that move was about. So I do think definitely need to go to him midfield there. And Dembele would have been best suited with someone next to him. It's like Dyer would have been the best option possible. Yeah. I got, it's very hard to fault that. I mean, John, let me come back around to you because John Wardell um, has his sound Pochettino. And just before we say... Everyone that hopefully listens to this show on a weekly basis knows that we absolutely adore Pochettino. There's no doubt about it, but we want to try and obviously make a fair balance of things. John, John Wardell says, Once again, Pochettino was slow, making tactical changes and substitutions when the game got away from us. It's been said before that he doesn't have a plan B. Is it a weakness in his management, or is it a case he just simply doesn't have the options open to him? I think if you take yesterday's game in isolation, it was a case of options, because if you... Say you start with a flat-back four, so you take one of the centre-halves out, put them onto the bench, you bring Dyer or Wanyama in. That means you've pretty much got, uh, what, would, what would it be, four defenders, no, three, three, sorry, three defenders, two sitting midfielders and one pretty bang-average striker on the bench. So I think what it is is a bit of one of them where you go, right, we're going to have a go from the start with an attacking formation, get all the our best attacking players on the, on the pitch from the start, and you can't. I can't really fault him for doing that. But the problem is, as as we said later, the in-game management was not great. But I, I look at it like this: if if we go one 0 up and he brings Dyer on, it does invite pressure because you've you yeah. you know you're gonna you, you're potentially you're gonna start dropping back a little bit more. And ultimately, that's what I mean. That's what done us anyway. Really, the fact that our three centre halves couldn't deal with either of the goal scorers was disappointing. It doesn't matter whether you've got two or three centre-halves on the pitch, if they're not going to give it their all whilst going for the ball, that disappointed me. Like that, the, the, the way, they was just too easy, them goals. And they're obvious Watford goals. They, they play a style of football. I like to call it the bluff system. Big lump up front is what bluff stands <laughs> for, right? Mm-hmm. It's what England used to be like with Emileski. 4-4-2, lump it up when that's your plan B, right? When we play champagne football, right? Sam's already got the Dom Perignon out. He's half cut from already. <laughs> Go on, Sammy. We love him. I'll say this. When teams also play champagne football, lay the table, we're all right. Mm. Because you know that they're going to try and play the same style of football as we are. And nine times out of ten, our quality shines through. The difference is we can't really play the way Watford... Uh, you know, we, we can't match their strengths the same way they can't match ours. But unfortunately for us... Their strengths, you know, ultimately won them the game, and it's a it's a, a learning curve. But 
I believe that if Lamella or Son had been available, we would have had a flat back four yesterday. Because if you think about the way the season started, we start with um, all right, we win the game at Newcastle with a back four, and all right, we can see the header, which all four of the goals we've conceded so far have been headers. We can see the header from open play. Right, that can happen. Then against Fulham, we start with a back three. We're struggling to break them down. We switch to a back four. We go on and win. Again, we can see the header also from open play. And that Mitrovic goal, you can't really do much about that. That was luck, as lucky as they come. And then uh, we, at Man United, we go, you know, we go with a four at the back and we win. We, we tried with a three at the back yesterday. And I think I just feel a little bit like, like other teams have worked it out. Mm. And what happens is you can't drop Lucas at the minute. You can't drop Kane at the minute. And I think that's what the problem is at uh, Pochettino's problem was yesterday. You're going to have to leave one of them two out, possibly, to bring a defensive midfielder in from the start. I think it's about having the right people at the back, though, isn't it, as well? Sorry to put in, but, no, you know, but... Say three at the back or four at the back, it can be made... It's a completely different situation when you've got the right people at the back. Yeah. And I, do, and I, don't, I don't think we had that. You mentioned Huming Sun being in there. I know you're probably going to bring this up, but I want to say it for all Spurs fans, because it should have probably been the first thing we led with. If you wanted to start the show with a positive, because it's been neg so far. But, Huming Sun avoided two years mandatory military service. Yeah, of yeah. And have you seen what it means to the oh, guy? This is the type of player yeah. that we want in our squad. He saw, he saw him in the World Cup, how devastated he was. How good was it to see him so happy and positive? Don't we just want this man back in the team? Well, yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, that that is exactly what I was going to bring it on to, Sammy. I mean, coming around to you there, Carl. I mean, granted, you know, we're missing Sonny and Lamella from today, well, from the squad at the weekend. Do you think that is ultimately the difference? We didn't have those kind of guys available to us? Or do you think, you know, Spurs being Spurs, you've got the summer... Do we still lack those one or two real kind of game changers, or is that just an easy excuse to throw out on the back of losing to Watford? Uh, well, I think yeah, the signings kind of underline why we've gone wrong. But I mean, I don't think that is the reason why it's gone wrong. Mm. It's, it's an easy excuse to sort of roll out. But um, I like definitely looking at on the the Asian games. He's like pretty much been he's been the captain of the side, so he's yep. like properly motivated to do the best he possibly can. So I think him returning into the side can be absolutely brilliant for us. Um, like he, he's definitely that sort of creative influence that when he comes on the pitch, he seems to make things happen even if you don't realise he's there. So th- he would have been like a brilliant option just to stick on there near the end. And he, he always seems to make things happen when he's on the pitch. Lamella is another one. Like um, Ericsson sort of still hasn't found his range so far this season. He's still mm, yeah. sort of hot and cold within games. I mean, he was very poor in the first half against Man United, but sort of seemed to wake up in the second half again and start making things happen. But that just didn't seem to happen against Watford. So, I mean, I hate to drop Ericsson out of games, but I mean, if Lamella was there, he probably would have been the better option to put on. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's hard to disagree. I mean, let me ask you, sticking with you for a second, Carl. Um, going back to the team for a second, Denny, sorry, Dennis Menes says... Started with the three at the back against Fulham, scored two goals. When we changed it to a four, started with four at the back against Man United and won. Pochettino against Watford goes to a back three and we lose. Should we have kept a winning team in hindsight? What do you make of that? Uh, well, yeah, it, like we always say, you know, why try and fix something that's not broken? So having won so convincingly and sort of brilliantly against Man United, you think, why would you have to change that? But... 
is something that we like to rotate the fullbacks when it's available. But I do think if you're going to go three at the back, you need to have your sort of two quickest fullbacks on the pitch. I mean, Trippier and Davis are probably don't have the pace of Aurier and Rose. And Rose is one I, w- I would have liked to see because Davis was, wasn't having a great game. Um, I do think if he'd come on earlier, it would have just added that bit of energy. I mean, I know Rose isn't quite at his full form yet, but if he does hit full form again, I think he'd be miles ahead of Davis. So it is about just having like the right personnel on the pitch for the certain games. So I think three at the back, you do need pace out wide. You do. John, let me come back round to you there because Carl mentions a great point there. He said about certain games. And again, people will kind of reflect on the fact, you know, certain games like the FA Cup semi-final last season, like the Juventus at home and now like Watford, it does seem to scream the obvious that this wonderful Spurs team just seem to always come up that little bit short if we don't have a true leader. You look at the game against Watford where, you know, you're 1-0 up. You're really kind of getting hammered by Watford before they equalise. Is that where you're lacking, John? That real true leader, a driver, and what maybe we'd say like an organiser in today's game on the park, just to kind of get control of the game. Do you think we're lacking that, John? Or again, is that an easy excuse to kind of throw out again on this one? I think it's one of them where if if we if we hold on and we win one nil, it's not a question that we even have to answer. Yeah, but I understand it's, it's why true. it's been asked. You mm. know, it's one of them where. You know, the question has obviously been asked in, in obviously in the wake of a defeat where we're 1-0 up and we lose. And it, and it does seem like that that's possibly what's happened. Yeah. But if you think about the amount of quality on that pitch, the amount of, you know, star performance for for their national teams and all the rest of it, there's enough out there, I think, just to be able to, to lock a game down. But I just think that the players that were on the pitch were let down by the manager in, in that respect because he, sh- he should have then changed it, you know, come on with a bit of fresh direction and instruction and gone, right, you know, we've not played well so far. We're we're lucky as fuck, really, aren't we, to be one 0 up at that point? And <laughs> you say, are. right, this is this is what we're going to have to do to change it because otherwise, that the even at one 0 up, the, the the next goal scorer was likely to be wearing a yellow and black shirt. I always felt that. I didn't feel like at any point after we scored was it going to end up being two 0 no. and then it's a massive hill to climb for for Watford. It's just one of them, I think, where. I think it may be an easy one to have a go at the players who are on the pitch, but that instruction and that um, that that needs to come from the manager. And unfortunately, he was he was well late. And by the time anything was changed yesterday, it was too late. And Watford held on pretty comfortably, you'd have to say, in the end. But um, just going back to... I've forgotten all about Sonny. I was out with the family on Saturday, having a nice day down the coast, and I'm checking my phone every five minutes to see how South Korea against fucking Japan is getting on. I'm sure a lot of us were doing the same. But uh, I have it on good authority that Son has asked the South Korean FA to reconsider their decision. I bet to after that game, John. After watching the game on Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe don't bloke. come back at all. No. Yeah, I read a tweet. I read a tweet today, Ricky, that we was posted to last word on Spurs. Um, oh, I can't remember who it was, but every credit to you that uh, he put. Um, Maybe all of the players should be threatened with two years mandatory military <laughs> service to perform the way that Huming Sun does. And I love that. I thought oh. that was a great comment. It's that funny. question was from uh, Cameron Yardy Jr. He's oh, a, that's Cameron. it. What a good guy. Listener. Regular contributor. Yeah, top He's man. Indeed. Yeah, it's funny because if we had 10 Huming Sons in that team along with him on the uh, Sunday, John, we might not have lost that game. Oh, mate, honestly, I can I can imagine Son watching that thinking, do you know what, a crew cut and slopping out at 6 o'clock in the morning don't look too bad. <laughs> Compared to going back and playing with his shower. Made a difference, though, wouldn't he? He would have made a difference. Oh, most Definitely. certainly. I've Definitely. got to ask you, John, back to you for a second. You mentioned there about, you know, we discussed about leaders and whatever. 
I think that game for me, John, it brutally undermines just how important Eric Dyer is to this team. And I see Spurs fans out there that are still polarised on this guy. And they say, what does he bring? You know, what does he give to the team? For me, Dyer in that team, he for me is one of the most strongest players we've got, a real leader. All right, you know, many people say that, you know, he's not a master of a certain trade. He's a, you know, he doesn't have a natural position. But you see the way he is, John, around the pitch. You know, the way he commands a bit of respect from the players. I honestly do think Dyer is not given anywhere near the amount of credit he has. And I think if you have him on that in that game, or even Wanyama, it's a totally different result. Absolutely. I think Eric Dyer's one of them players who, in my opinion, has always been criminally underrated by yeah, anyone on. that doesn't watch Tottenham regularly. I think he's... You look at him sometimes and you go... I'm not sure what he actually does, but he plays often enough yeah. to, for you to think that, you know, the manager obviously trusts him. I, I see someone today comparing to to a skirting board in oh, as much as you don't know what it's there mm. for, but it's always there. Yeah. It looks better. It looks better with it there or something like that. He said. So, they they can't watch Tottenham. They can't no. be watching Tottenham on the no. regular because no. people that know, they know just what he brings to the table. I think, Ricky, um, mm. I think you did just say this actually, and I'm sorry to put in. No, he, um, he, 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 he does what's necessary and because I think because of that he plays out of position loads and because he plays it out of position loads he's got this unidentifiable spot of where people see him as maybe a central mid a holding mid he's where they see him as a they'll compare him to people that stay in their chess position so they know a rook is a rook and a bishop's a bishop and a pawn's a pawn Eric Dyer's an Eric Dyer and he comes along and does whatever it needs to take to get to the queen and I think he, he moves like that over a football pitch. Massively, massively underrated. Agree. Let's bring you in, Carl, because Hotspur Sam says, do we now realise Dyer's worth to this team? Yeah, I'd say we do. He, um, that's thing, he does a job that like not many other players can do. I mean, we know Wanyama is a perfectly good central defensive mid and we know Dembele is great going forward, great in possession. But Dyer is just that gap in the middle that can do both roles. So, like, yesterday when it came to the game, you could see Dembele lost players. He didn't track players into the box. He failed to recognise when there was danger. And he gave away unnecessary free kicks every now and again. So, Dyer is just that man that knows what to do at the right time. I mean, he's not, like, spectacular on the ball. And he's not, like, great at, you know, basically being the flair player in the central midfield. So, like, but he just does the job well enough like all the time and keeps the ball ticking over keeps us in possession and then he, he as like his defensive like experience shows he can then defend as well so he's just that that guy that does the job that needs to be done so I think we recognise how important he is in the team now and like so many people don't appreciate how good he is but it's when he's missing in that team then we look back on it in hindsight and say yes we could have done with him Mm. It's funny you say because Pochettino normally always seems to try and find a role for this guy. It's a reason why Eric Dyer is still at this football club over the last, what, three or four years now. Pochettino loves him. He is adaptable. He still polarises opinion, but you just like to think on the back of that game, if there's any kind of, you know, warning or if people don't realise what he's worth to this team, go and look at back at that game because, you know, we really miss an Eric Dyer in the centre of that midfield, offering some protection to Dembele. And just on Dembele, John, Chris Lawton says, was I the only one who thought Dembele needed replacing once he picked up a yellow card? Do you think, John, with Dembele, and it's so hard to say this because he has had a great start to the season, do you think he's better coming off the bench rather than starting games from a physicality perspective? And, you know, has he got the legs anymore, John, for this? 
I think, as I've said many times before, the manager's the only one who knows. He sees him on the training ground every day, so you have to trust his judgment. But I think, as one of the lads said earlier, he's definitely better as part of a, a, a double pivot in that midfield where he's got a, a more defensive partner alongside him because, you, you know, that gives him the... It gives him free reign to go on some of his, you know, driving dribbles. And, it, you know, that does open up spaces in front and allows the, our attacking players to get a little bit further forward. And when he hasn't got, a, you know, a defensive destroyer next to him, it does limit his game somewhat, in my opinion. If you think he come to us as more of like an attacking central midfielder, and uh, it was pretty soon after arriving, AVB put him next to, I think it was Jake Livermore who started that season alongside. And, you know, he's, he's obviously, he's, he's, he's had better partners since then, but... Uh, He's, he's grown into that and he's one of the most, you know, he's, he's got to be one of the most unique players in world football and the skill set that he's got and the ability he's got. He's an absolute beast. He's, he, he's a beast. What, what He is a beast, but what worries me is I think he's one of them players who, because of the way he plays and the physicality of where he plays on the pitch and the, the stress he puts his knees and ankles through, I do think age has caught up with him at an earlier stage than it does with some players. The thing is, for me though, John, is that... Don't you think it's it's game by game because he, he he's super strong, reliable. How many times you see him dispossessed? Jesus, he count him on one hand, and and he's he, he, he's that reliable factor. But when you see Watford pressing like that, you, you must think to yourself, pace. I mean, I was I was calling Harry Winks' name <laughs> very early on in that game, and you know, I was I was thinking these changes need to be made sooner rather than later. Um, I think with Dembele over criticising him, it should be should be judged game by game. And I think in this game, he wasn't doing what was what was going to counteract against against Watford with the pressure they were putting on. I think in games like United, games where he's he's used to hold the ball up, pass it out to left to to Sonny, pass it out to to, to Ali, he's he's proven invaluable, hasn't he? And he's he's obviously a fan's favourite. John, let's get your response back to that. Go for it. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think, he's like you say, game by game, he's got to be one of them kind of players now where he gets managed in the same way possibly Ledley King was towards the last two or three years of his career, where he's an absolute Rolls-Royce of a player. But you know that he, you know there's every chance that he might break down at any given minute. I think that, like I say, the issue yesterday was if he had someone more defensive next to him and we had a back four, I think he naturally just plays better in that system because he's not... He's like the last line of defence as far as that central midfield area goes, and that's not his game. All right, he, yeah, yeah. It's, it's difficult yeah. to dispossess him, and he does get he does win the ball back a lot, but he does need that screen of of a partner as well. To yeah, know, that, that's what Kyle said. Isn't it? That, that's yeah. what you said, Kyle, and I must admit, mate, everything you've said here, fantastic debut, by the way. I think your, your analysis. <laughs> you. I, I have to say, mate, your analysis is fab. I really, I, it, it's brilliant, buddy. Should have had you at the uh, weekend, Carl. Should have had you on as a debutant on there, uh. mate. Absolutely brilliant, and and I, I think you nailed it. We're all saying the same thing here. His partners, it's who he's partnered with, Dembele. It's not Dembele. It's it's who he's with. You've got to have the wingman to provide the service to and if if they're not there if you're held you're holding it up for too long if you, you're having to slow your play down he's not the fastest you know by any means he's a technical player he's a strong holding player if you've not got that assistance there and it's not working for you then that's going to affect your overall game um so i don't i don't think dembele you know judging it as a holder there i i, I don't think he was um he, he's 
even partially to blame for his performance. I'll be dead honest. I think Ali was weak as well. You know, he didn't. I didn't see as much as him as I wanted to. Um, there were there were just gaps from from everybody that affected everybody's overall performance with Watford. Yeah, let's go back around to you, Carl. Questions or cut questions? I'm going to ask you. Alex Reddick versus has Son got to come in for Ericsson? Agree. That's one question. Another question as well. Try and roll this into two for us, Carl. Sid. At Sid Sellant says, Ericsson needs to step up. Not been at his best now for four games in a row. Let's get your thoughts on Ericsson so far this season. What have you made of him, Carl, and particularly, obviously, the Watford game? Yeah, I definitely agree that Ericsson hasn't quite hit his peak form yet. But um, you can still see he's an important player within the team. He's sort of links in to play within as we're going forward. Problem is, his passing hasn't quite been as like what we're used to with him. But... As you, it's, it's so difficult to say, like, look, we need to replace him with someone because, really, I can only see Lamella doing sort of the same job as him. And if Lamella isn't fit, Ericsson just has to play. Yeah. So you can't really change the team around with him. And the problem but, is, Carl, you'll be the first one to know this, that as Spurs fans, if we saw Ericsson on the bench against Liverpool, there'd be an uproar. So you, you couldn't win, could correct. you? Correct. You I couldn't win. You know what? You took the words right out of my mouth. Though. Yeah, but you couldn't win, could you? Because, you know, Ericsson is one of those players that, even though we moan about him... There'd be, like I said, an absolute uproar if he does not start against Liverpool, wouldn't there, Because Yeah, I've, that's the thing. I've always said with Ericsson that you don't really notice him in games like throughout the entire 90 minutes. He sort of pops up every now and again and he does something amazing. The only problem is we're not seeing them like amazing moments we're yeah. used to with him. Spot on no, but that's why, that's why, Kyle, like, why I've always called him the heartbeat <laughs> because you don't always... Yeah. He's the, he's the, he has been... Last season, I genuinely believe he was like the heartbeat like a foundation of, of Tottenham last season. That's how integral he was. Now, you don't always hear your heartbeat, but it's keeping you alive. <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you now, he is he is integral. When he's out of the team, you watch it fall apart. There's no glue. He, he, he's integral to it. And I think I don't think, Ricky, mm. that you can say Lamella could take that spot no, no, even no. on yeah. a dipped form basis. I don't think you can say it. No. I, I think he has to start. He has to be there. Even having his name on the pitch beforehand is a statement. And I just think we just want to see him back to where he was last season, where you yeah. were, I mean, you were, you were counting on him. You would. I mean, Carl, let's get your summary then on Ericsson. So do you think you've got to stick this guy, haven't we? We know he's got the form, yeah. he's got the ability. He has to be on the team sheet, simple as. But I think it's, it's just the case of that sort of World Cup syndrome that we've mm. got going. Like, Kane hasn't quite hit his peak form, Ali hasn't. So I do think as time goes on, I mean, this international break could be a saviour for us. We could return after this, and I, I know a lot of players are off again. But I think they're not going to be like running around 100% as they were at the World Cup. So maybe it could just be this small little downtime that they have that we will come back and they could all be back at their peak form. I mean, we, we can hope so. Yeah. But I mean, again, I think a lot of players were just waiting for them to hit peak form again. And John, coming back round to you, just on Ericsson, we don't maybe appreciate the amount of running he does off the ball, does he? I think he clocks up always kind of the most you know, kilometres run on a game for Spurs. Again, do we have to give Ericsson time? Because we know, as I've just said, the quality is there. All right, he hasn't hit the season, you know, peak running so far, has he, John? He's not, but then, like Carl's just said, that goes for a lot of our players. Mm, and I yeah. suppose a lot of players throughout the league, to be fair, not just our, not just our squad. But if you think about it, Ericsson's missed four league games in four years. So he averages 37 out of 38 games a season in the yeah, league. Yeah. As you said, he's regularly putting in more kilometres than any other player. So, he's like the the opposite. If we could give uh, Dembele Eriksson's legs <laughs> and uh, maybe Eriksson Dembele's brain occasionally. You yeah, know, we might, do. 
but yeah, no. Listen, he's one of them players. I think he's a he's a he's one of them players. I'm not sure if I put him in the top a world class bracket, but he'd cost an absolute fortune to replace. And when he's not there anymore, we'll miss him incredibly, incredibly much. And I think massively, he's one of them players that he's uh, he's so good. And because his standards he set for himself are so high, when he does have an off game, we all notice it. And that, if you think about the amount of shite players that we've put up with over the you know over the years, and you don't really notice because they're shite every week. That's true. We're only talking about this geezer because, like like Carl and Sandwich said, he's he's so good so much of the time that, like I say, if he has a little drop off, we notice. And and invariably, if he has an off game, so the top the Motspur, which is the problem because he, there's not really any other player who who does that. If if any any one of them other players can have an off game. And it's not; it's more likely to result in a in a bad result if it's Ericsson who's having a bad game compared to the others. If you see what I mean, if Kane's not firing, we've got plenty of other players who chip in with goals. As as we saw when Kane was injured last season, we didn't drop off. We end up with a lot of goals in the four games he missed. And yeah, Ericsson's so integral to us. Like I say, we'll miss him when he's gone, and we're, we're just I, I enjoy watching him every week. The geezer's class, and hopefully, you know, like like uh, Sam just uh, sorry, like Kyle just said. A couple of weeks off from uh, Pochettino's two arts, three lungs training regime might be doing some good. And we'll come back and hopefully hit the ground running uh, when we play the bin dippers in a couple of weeks. Sammy, let me come round to you because one guy who did have a quite positive performance at the weekend was that of Lucas Moura, who, to be fair, all season for Spurs so far has definitely shown that he could be worth the money and has got such a big, big potential in a Tottenham shirt. And he created that first goal for Tottenham, really put the pressure on Decore. What did you make of Lucas Moura's performance overall? I, I probably made the same of Lucas Moura's performance as every other Spurs fan, Ricky. Um, I'm excited to see him. He's, he's a breath of fresh air. We uh, we actually touched on him on, on a couple of previous podcasts that I've done with you. We, yep. we brought him up and I said how excited I am to see him coming to fruition. And we were praying for Pochettino to give him more game time. Right, uh, yeah. Especially after I, I read an article that Neymar said he was the most underrated player <laughs> in France. And I was like, please show me more of this guy. He didn't get the chance. And uh, we've seen more of him. He's been given the chance. Look at him go. Yeah. My God, he's like using Bolt on cocaine. He's <laughs> rapping. <laughs> he, he's brilliant, he's isn't he? He's Through the centre as well, by the way. My God, his legs unbelievable. And he is fit as a fiddle, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, that guy looks like he can do a full season. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely over the moon with it. Regular start for me, uh, Ricky. Mm. Honestly, if you've got to play him on form like that, play him. Wow. And do you know yeah. what? For me, I actually think he was, from our side, he was the, he was the best player on the pitch again. Yeah, I mean, you say regular starter there. Let's bring you in, Carl, because when Sonny comes back, Sonny's going to be demanding that place. But Moore himself now has been involved in nine goals in his last nine starts for Spurs in all competition. Four goals, five assists. He's certainly made a good impression to the start of the season, hasn't he, Carl? Yeah, that's the thing. I, I do sort of fear for Moore when Son comes back because Son has sort of been leading that Korean side. He's, he's definitely a man in form and yeah. he's going to want to impress when he comes back. He's going to want to make up for lost time. But, I mean, I'd love to see Mora and Son on the pitch mm. together. Um, one on each yes, side. I'm so glad you said that. Such pace down the, down the width. But, I mean, I can't really see Pochettino going with that because uh, Ali and Ericsson make things happen out of nowhere. So, I, as we were saying earlier, I can't see Ericsson really being dropped from the side because he, he's the only one who can do what he does. But do you not think he could do a super sub? Maybe, Kyle. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you, bring, you bring on Mora. You wear his pace out, which, by the way, looks pretty impossible so far. But you give him, <laughs> you true. give him thirty, you give him thirty minutes of turbocharged legs, 
and how good has Sonny been as a superstar? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he has really... come on and changed so many games for Tottenham. Why don't you come, bring on, bring Mora on, get him thrashing down that centre, wear the defence out massively, and then get Sonny on and produce the skill? I mean, would yeah, that work? Exactly. I think that'd be a brilliant tactic right there. But um, like as we were seeing against um, Watford there, like at the end there, we just seem to run out of energy, and that's the exact option we'd have needed. Them sort of two coming on with absolute pace. So Son could have absolutely been a game saver there on the weekend. So I really can't wait for Son to come back. But again, with Mora and Son, I'd love to see them both on the pitch at the same time. Whether that's as a sub or a starter, we'll just have to see, really. Mm. John, I'm going to throw it over to you now. I'm going to ask you probably the hardest question of the night so far. What are you going to do then, John, when we do have a fit Sonny back at Spurs? Mora, I mean, what, what are we going to do, John, between these two? Can you find a way, like Sammy said, of getting them both in the same team? Or is it a case where one has to miss out with the other on the bench? I think it's horses for courses, mate. If you think when we played Liverpool at home last season and we smashed the life out of them, Delhi yeah. played in central midfield. I think alongside Harry Winks, if I remember rightly. I think you're right, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it depends. If, yeah, it did, if, yeah. if we go like that, you know, there'll be some games where, like I say, when you've got the opposition trying to play decent football as well, it's doable. When it's going to be one of them battle of attrition central midfield where you've got a couple of lumps like we did yesterday with Capu and Decore, that kind of player, you're not going to get that when you're playing against the biggest, the better sides. They're going to, you know, they're going to actually try and play football. So it's it's doable in my opinion. If you think you've got Ali's runs from deep, you know the fact that he even scored, didn't he? he scored a volley in that game against Liverpool last season. So it's doable. I think you know, as I say, horses for courses depends on the opposition, depends on how things are going. But there's options there. There's so many options. I think, thinking about it, going back to the Eric Dyer question earlier, I think he's a bit of a Swiss army knife. And I think <laughs> we've got a lot of players yeah. who, who would fall into that into that category without being as versatile as he is. And Delhi's one of them because he can play left, he can play as, he can play as a centre-forward, he can play a little deeper in midfield. If you think he made his name for MK Dons playing in the central midfield pairing. Central mid, yeah. Yeah, it weren't even as a 10 or like a, a forward player like he has done for us. So there's plenty of players in there that can play many different roles. I think yeah. that's one thing that's good about this squad. There's no, there's not many players who have got one and only one defined role in the squad. You go right from back to front. Yeah. You think Jan Vertonghen, he's played in a two, in a three. He played left wing back at the Bernabeu last season. You know what I mean? You've got players all over the pitch that are capable of doing things like that. Ben you know how play strong Mora is, though, John? Going down that centre. Mora breaking through that centre. Even, well, though, he's pace, United. Yeah. even <clears throat> though he's pacey. Yeah, but look at his videos at PSG. Yeah. Look at the, If you Google Lucas Mora PSG, one of the first videos that comes up, he tears from the back to the front and he doesn't choose the wings on any point and they show five different clips of him. He chooses the centre of the field every time. He runs but, through it. Yeah. Turbo charge. The trouble is there where you've got teams like yesterday where Watford defended so deep, mm -hmm. they'd obviously watched our shite Smalling and Jones and Lindelof <laughs> when he come on where on Monday. But they've seen that and they've decided, right, Lucas Moore is going to tear you a new one if you defend too high up the pitch. So they've dropped, the, they've dropped back 10 yards and that does take out that threat to a certain extent of being able to run through the middle. If you see how yeah. compacted the last few minutes were, we had a lot of the ball on the edge of the box. But they've got eight, nine players in and around that area. Whereas if you're playing in wide, it gives you another option of being able to stretch the pitch. And it also means that you've got, instead of relying on Trippier to, to get up and down the whole time, you've got Moore in front of him. You can do a lot of his running. And he's also a goal threat, as we've seen. I think, you know, 
he's if if as you said, if you got say you got Rose playing high on one side, Mora goes out left. If Son's in there, if Kane's in there, these are all players who are like I say, they're all they're all top top players. That's the thing. It's such a nice problem to have and such a nice thing to be talking about where to fit all these top top players into our team. Where before we've had a couple of three good players and the rest of them have been shit. It's so, it's it's nice to be having these conversations and this is why I am hundred percent sure that Sunday was a blip. We're too good for to 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 not cap, capitalise on the first three games of the season and what the team achieved in that time. And we'll be we'll be well all right this season. We'll be top four again, comfortable, and hopefully a little bit more. You never know. Yeah, I mean, all we want to see, John, don't we? We'd like to see a challenge this season for the title. And I've got to come back round to you, Carl, and say to you, if we are going to challenge for the title, and people are probably laughing at me when I say that, but I do generally believe Spurs can challenge for the league. We've got to be defending better than what we've been recently from set pieces, Carl, because all four goals Spurs have conceded this season have been from headers. I mean, we've seen in the past set pieces under Pochettino. They've been a problem for us last season too. But again, beaten by two set pieces against Watford, Poch would have been fuming, wouldn't he, Carl? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I I think we've definitely got like brilliant centre backs, and we've def- we've got a brilliant defence all all around. But I do think like we we're used to sort of Alderweireld being the one who goes there, gets gets rid of the ball. Uh, Sanchez won a few headers there, but I do think like as a whole, we're not we haven't really got that sort of aerial presence that maybe other teams have. So, um, I mean, we saw Lorente come on there on the weekend and you sort of assume that he'd be sort of the answer to that. But um, I do think he's, again, sort of too slow, too slow yeah. to react to sort mm. of headers and stuff. So, um, definitely sort of the personnel is very different. But we have seen in the past there sort of, it, more more so when we're attacking, that like Dyer wins headers, Sanchez wins headers, Aldevard wins headers. So I think it's just a matter of getting the right people in the right places. But on the weekend, particularly there, you could see no one had that sort of 100% commitment going to the ball. So I think it was just a matter of like the right mindset on that weekend that we were just far too complacent. And I think when we've conceded goals throughout this season, it's just that moment of attention is just lost. So we sort of think everything's rosy and you forget where you are. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of paying attention at the key moments. I agree, I agree. It's funny about Alderweireld, he does win headers to be fair to him. And listen, we've absolutely loved seeing Alderweireld back in the Spurs team. But we have seen, you know, periods last season as well, I can remember Man United away, that Alderweireld in the air, he does seem to get beaten fairly easily. But we have to say, listen, he's crossfield passing. John, we love Michael Dawson back in the day for his crossfield passing. Doesn't match to Toby Blessing, but do you think Alderweireld in the air, John, is that a worry for us? Don't get me wrong, he's a world-class defender, we know that. But he seems to be beaten in the air a couple of times, doesn't he, recently? <laughs> I was just having flashbacks to a Dawson Diag out to Stephen Alcon. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, he loved the Diag, didn't he, old Dawson? He did a little yeah. Diag. <laughs> I think the trouble is, Rick, I think if obviously it was rightly pointed out by Jason on the radio show last week that mm. that Toby has got he he, he is uh, susceptible in the air if he has got a weakness. And the thing is is it, like nowadays you've got uh, geezers from clubs watching every single game and scouts and all the rest of it, they know what they're doing and they know what they're looking for. And the thing is, it's one of them now. He needs to. I don't see what Toby can do about it. To be honest, you know, as a team, all you can do is try and give away less free kicks and surrender less possession in wide areas. Get try and give away less corners. There ain't much you can do to protect someone that's not all that in the air. But I think it's more of a positional thing. I don't think it's that he's bad in the air. I honestly don't. I think it's just that his positioning was bad yesterday for 
well, it was for pretty much everybody yesterday. Mm. But to, to single him out, he's a threat. He, he didn't have a world. He didn't have a World Cup winning goalkeeper to be directing him though, did he? And that's nothing against <laughs> that's well, nothing against form. Yeah. But you take guidance from the back. You can't hear anybody else calling your name but the keeper, no, and true. he guides him. Hugo does give direction. We've not even mentioned anything to do with him being massively missed. Oh, and course, I genuinely yeah. believe he was massively missed. Directing your back four, your back three, whoever's there in front of you. You're directing your soldiers that are in front of you to keep yeah. that wall up. Um, and that was massively missed, guys, in my opinion. If you look at Vaughan's position for both the goals, he was stood bang in the centre and he didn't move. Lloris would have been six yards off his line challenging for that ball with his fist. Fucking hell. Six yards off his line? He'd have been on the halfway line, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. But you, you might, what I'm saying is, Sam, you made a good point because Hugo would have been up there helping him out as well. When he's a million percent. A million percent. He, he, he's not afraid to commit himself. With you know, he's not. He, he gets in the trenches with the lads. Lloris, and he does do that, but also he does direct. He's got a big, strong presence. I think Vaughan, a little bit starstruck. He was, you know, he, he he doesn't get that much game time, and I don't think he's got that that leader presence that that Hugo can give. We have so many questions on Vaughan. Just so quickly, John, we've had so many questions on Vaughan because we've had questions in from Tony Smith, we've had Ben Jones, we've had Lama. Can I ask you, John, just on Vaughan? I'll let you finish your point in just a second. Do we think, this is from Tony Smith, is it time to move Gazaniga up to number two? I think Vaughan has had his day and makes the defence nervous. What's your point on that, John? What do you think of that? I wouldn't necessarily say he makes the defence nervous, but if you if you consider the point we've just made, maybe having a better goalkeeper between the sticks means a different result yesterday. And I do mm. think the fact that Correct. Michel Vaughan's, he's six foot, so he's not that tall for a goalkeeper. Gazaniga's obviously, a, you know, he's a lot taller and you'd like to think that he would come out and maybe make a bit more of a nuisance of himself in defending them. And he's a good-looking bastard. And he, won, <laughs> and, 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 and he won man of the match on his first match for Tottenham. Try by the way, that, go was, that. that was the most ridiculous man of the match win ever, by the way. He was he was shaky as well, you like. Did anyone see that first half you. against Palace? God, he nearly caught heart attack he, in the home end. I, well, yeah, worked, to, to the birds. Worked, <laughs> I think, I'll be honest, I think when you, when you go into the end of last season and Michelle Vorm's contract's about to expire, mm. I naturally thought that Gazaniga moves up to two and then you've yep. got Brandon Austin or Alfie Whiteman maybe steps up to be number three. Then Vorm signs another one-year contract and you think, right, well, there's your number three there then. And I was surprised that Gazaniga did not start. I was surprised. but Yeah, I want to see a bit more of him. I must admit, I, if, if Hugo's not in... The, the guy needs to be given a chance. He he, he just seems so Spurs, doesn't he? <laughs> it does, doesn't he? As well, he's seven or eight years younger than Vaughan. Yeah, so, I, just, and we, yeah I, I, I don't really suppose like Vaughan's going to get a new one-year contract next summer. So maybe, you know, when, when Lloris is not playing, I think we'll see in the cup games, won't we, if Gazaniga gets a, sh- a shout. But like I said many times before, we don't see what happens on the training pitch. No, we don't. Maybe, maybe he spends too, more time in front of the mirror than in front of his, uh, <laughs> in front of his goalpost. We don't know, do we? It looks like he does anyway. Yeah, well, does he ever? What we do know is Pochettino's words on the defending of the set pieces, and he did say against Watford, if you want to be a contender to be at the top, you cannot concede in this type of action. And I think that's spot on. You can't argue with that. Let me come back round to you, Carl. Questions about Harry Kane. Listen, guys, we're going to try and get through as many as we can. Obviously, time is pressing against us. I do appreciate every single one of your questions. As always, you can throw in your questions to Last Word on Spurs at Last Word on Spurs on our Twitter account. This question comes in... Alan Van Room at Navnor One, who says, I hate criticising Harry Kane, but his hold-up play was poor, kept losing the ball. He has been this way since halfway through the World Cup. Is that fair, do you think, Carl? He scored, he scored twice this season, may we add. Yeah, I'd definitely say he's been looking a bit lacklustre and a bit 
tired, um, especially near the tail end of the World Cup there. Obviously, he didn't score in the sort of crucial games there. But it's, it's hard to fault him because he's always given 100%. He's always chasing down every ball. So he's always making a nuisance of himself up front. So it's he does a job that not meant like you wouldn't say Lorente be doing that at all. And no, no. I, unless we're going down to the youth, then I can't really see anyone who's going to do what he does. So again, he's always given hundred percent. So obviously his touch isn't quite there at the moment, and he isn't sort of like you know picking the passes that we've seen him do, even when he's not scoring. So at the moment he's definitely sort of down in the dumps. But again, I do think the breaker will serve him well. So it's just about regaining that energy, I think, that he used to have. And once he hits in form again, I have no doubt he'll be back to his best. OK, well, coming back around to you, Sammy, Jermaine Genius is probably one of the most favoured pundits out there that normally covers Spurs games on Match of the Day and Five Live. He said, when I see Kane at his best, he's normally firing four or five shots in a game. I can't remember the last time he did that. You can't put it down to tiredness. Against Watford, he was waiting for to land on his plate. On his best days, he makes things happen himself. What do you make of that, Sammy? Um, well, <laughs> he's pretty right. I mean, I'm, uh, by the way, I've, I love Jermaine Genes. Mm. I'm with Like all Spurs fans, I've met him a couple of times as well. I had, a, I had a chat with him. I'm very fortunate for that. And he is. He, he's absolutely quality. But I, I think it's hard with Harry Kane, Ricky, because... We're blinded by his determination. Well, yeah. I, listen, because... Sammy, I'll be honest, I find it so hard to criticise a guard against 30 Mate, goals a season. That's how I feel. It's so hard it, for me to sit it, and criticise him. If you're the manager, you sat there and do you only see you only see when Harry Kane's off form after watching the game on yeah, TV true, because true. because yeah. you must see him in training and go Kyle just said he gave hundred gives hundred percent in everything one million percent correct because he, 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 we're blinded by his determination. The guy wants to win everything, wants to hit everything. He, he's, he's so determined, and um, when it's only the stats that you look at and go, oh, that guy's not on form because his effort is there. Um, so yeah, he's not up to scratch. But he, what do you say? You can't. I don't think he needs a rest. I think he's out of form. I think his fitness. Is is up there to be playing at the moment? It is, you know. Um, but is he on form at the moment? No, he's not. But again, the, the good old uh, form is temporary, class is permanent. Comes in when you're talking about somebody like yeah, Harry he, Kane. He's already two goals up and where well, he's normally. Has. It's funny you say that, Carl, because I mean, even John coming around to you, you know, he's been off form for the last four Augusts. You know, we weren't going to drop him, was we? So how can you even consider even thinking about? You know, you could not even consider consider dropping Kane, could you at all? Yeah, exactly. Like I can't, can't you can't really drop him because at some point he'll find a hat trick out of yeah. nowhere and, and his season will start from there. So you've just got to leave him in the team and he'll just find that moment where his season kicks off and no doubt he'll be up there challenging for the golden boot again and we'll forget about the sort of bad moments he has. He yeah. shows you the type of guy that he is, Ricky. Golden boot winner at the World Cup and he didn't think he did enough to deserve it. And that's because, you know, we all felt that a few came on penalties. Maybe England didn't do as well as what we wanted to do. Blah, blah, blah. Let's not go into that. Right. But the guy knows himself. Yeah. How fortunate are we for have, to have oh, somebody of, of that mindset in yeah. our squad? It's brilliant. So, yeah, off form. Going to be back on form in absolutely no time. Not even a fucking debate whether he's <laughs> in the starting lineup. John, let's get your thoughts on Harry Kane. I know you absolutely adore this guy. 
I think the thing is, if you like, you get all this, is he tired, is he not? I think one thing that gets overlooked constantly is the fact that if you go back, we'll talk about Harry Kane under Mauricio Pochettino. So 2014-15, he has his breakthrough season, he scores 31 goals. He then goes and plays for the England under-21s at the Euros. 2015-16, does the same again, ends up with a, with a golden boot, plays in the Euros for the senior England squad. 2016-17, bangs in another shitload and he gets the summer off. And then last season does what he does, 41 goals was it, and then he's playing at the World Cup. So the last four summers, he's had one summer off. He's had two kids in that time as well, so he's not unemployed indoors either, is he? So <laughs> Scoring in every aspect. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So if you think about it like that, there's not many players probably at that level they're able to, if you think, you know, he's two goals in front of where he normally is as well, as yeah, you said, yeah. as, you know, we're only a couple of days into September. And you think, like I say, he's had one summer off in all that, in four years. So we'll see. We'll see what, if he starts, if he starts off hot next season, then maybe we'll, maybe that would be the the reason why. But for now, you know, as the boys have said, you can't drop the geezer. He's un- he's so, he's so good. It's not a debate. It's not a debate not, if for you, me. It is, he is a natural born winner. The guy's playing golf off a fucking five handicap or a four handicap. <laughs> he's absolutely super. He's a born athlete. You don't. You, they don't. They, they don't get moulded into Harry Kane. You're born a Harry Kane, and and we are. We're we're lucky to have it. Oh, we are. I think the other thing, if you consider the fact that if he scores, he's, if he scores against Liverpool, he's he's matched Jermaine Defoe's total well, in 146 yeah. games less. That's than incredible, John, isn't it? How incredible that is, is that, John? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's incredible. It, that, that's the only word for it. It's incredible because. Jermaine Defoe was universally loved and revered by us all and was and was a quality player for us. And if you think, you know, little did we know that we'd had, we had this lad in the youth system c- coming up at that time who was going to surpass him, and not surpass him, but smash all the records. If you think about it, he's on course to end this season in the top three or four goal scorers in the club's history. He's got, I think it's Cliff Jones and Martin Chivers in his sights now. If he, if he has another 30, 40 goal season, he's 25. It's unbelievable. I, I, listen, I, I know no one's beyond criticism. He weren't good yesterday, Kane. He didn't have a good game. But it's like it's like I was saying. It's the same conundrum with Ericsson. When he's not when he's not on it, you know it's because ninety nine percent of the time he's so good. Tottenham didn't have a good game, did they? No, the bottom line is, yeah. the, Harry Kane didn't have a good day, game. Tottenham didn't have a good game. But you the do bottom find this, Sammy, don't you? Come back fighting. You find this, Sammy. Fighting. I think you find it with Spurs that normally under Pochettino that ev- either everyone has a great game or. No one has a good game at all. It's always that kind of way. Yeah. It's always black and white. And listen, that, that spurs overall. But I mean, I've got to just say, Harry Winks, for me, on the field for just 10 minutes, probably our best player. I can't wait to see this guy, John, back in the team on a hopefully a regular a basis. And he may well feature against Liverpool, John, mightn't he? Because Winks, you can see the potential is there. And maybe this is the season, John, where we will see the breakthrough coming into this Liverpool game. Absolutely. And I think if, if, you, if you ask me, he's a long-term replacement for Dembele. Not, not that he's the same kind of player at all, but he's another player that would benefit from a defensive destroyer next to him because he's such a silky little player. He's so good on the ball. He rarely wastes the ball. He's a good passer. And it, it, it did make a bit of a difference. I think he went on a couple of driving runs when he came on yesterday. It was just too late. But what we, what we want to see from Harry Winks this season is a real load of games on the bounce where he's getting he's getting plenty of minutes. And hopefully for, for Harry... Harry and for the club he gets back into the England squad where I feel he deserves to be. Yeah, you know, good be, dribbler. Good dribbler in each other. He is as well. a good dribbler. I think for such a little lad, I think he's underrated in that respect. I, th- I don't think many people realise. Again, it's like people that 
the people with the loudest voices seem to not watch Spurs very often. I'm afraid, and I'm, I'm, we we see it. we see him all the time. You know, we see him. I was there when he when he made his first start against in the in the league against West Ham, and yeah. that night you think we're we no one had a really particularly good game that day. To be fair, but he he did stand out, and you think he's got something this lad. Because if mm. you think maybe say three years ago, a lot of us probably would have put Tom Carroll in front of Harry Winks, and now look at the trajectories that their careers are taken. Yeah, it's funny. So then he's on the pitch. Then he's on the pitch, 21 years old, playing against Real Madrid in the Champions League and he held his own and you oh, look at that lad. Bossed it, his potential. Bossed it. And by yeah. the way, he bossed it. Yeah. He didn't just play there. He didn't just do a few t- weak passes. He bossed it against Real Madrid. The guy's got way much more to come. Under somebody like Pochettino, I'm so glad he's not under somebody like Marino, negging him out and giving him three chances before benching him. I mean, uh, you know, uh, he's got he's got the gaffer in front of him that will give him the it'll get the full potential out of him as well, and that's exciting. Agreed. Sticking with Liverpool, let's bring you into this, Kyle. Question in from Robert Reed at Robert Reed Ten, who says we need to play Son and Dyer or Winks against Liverpool. Who do we drop? Million dollar question there. What did you think on that one, Carl? Uh, that that is a hard one. That's a very I mean, hard question, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> I mean, see, Dembele is like has to stay inside, so I think you're going to have to go to a midfield with Dyer next to him. But my issue is that with like the wealth of talent that Liverpool has, like, do you go with the three at the back or the two at the back? So, because, I mean, with like Mane and if Salah hits his peak form again, because he's been a bit hot and cold as well so far, and then Firmino, you're going to have to have someone sort of addressed to each individual. So it could go three at the back, but you don't then want to sort of be sitting back with effectively a home fixture. So, I mean, so I reckon Son will come back into the side because he's on a high at the moment. So he definitely has to come back into the side. But I can't really see sort of Ali Eriksson or someone going out of the side. But again, things can change over the sort of international break. So, I mean, I'd like to see... Son come back into the side, Dyer go in the middle, and then we sort of play three at the back, maybe. But I see it's, it's too difficult to sort of decide on that. Yeah. Again, I think we have to see who's available, really. So hopefully, like, Lloris returns from injury and everyone is sort of back fit. And then, really, we just need a strong bench when it comes to that game because they've, they've got a really strong squad as well. So you're just going to have to match them fitness-wise. Agree. Okay, some quick fire ones now. We'll try and get through as many as we can. John, coming back round to you against Liverpool. Gary Hyatt asked the question: three or four at the back? What's our best defensive formation? Does a free work for us? John, quick fire. What do you think? Definitely a four. Going back to the results we had against Liverpool last season, we took four points off, and both times we were back four, four all day long for me. Okay, lovely. And John, because you answered that one so quick, I've got another one for you, which may take a little bit longer to answer, but John, you're the man for these kind of questions. Jason Crawford says, do we need better win-backs? Trips, great from dead ball, but does he really give that much else? Ericsson and Kane haven't started yet. The game should have been gone in the first half. They found a gear they didn't know they had and deserved it. Just a question on those full-backs, John, just reversing to Jason's point there. Ben Davis taking a lot of stick for this game. And Sammy also brought him up in the uh, the actual summary itself. Where are you on Davis? I think Kieran Trippier and Ben Davies are full-backs. Danny Rose and Sergio Aurier are wing-backs. That's the way I see it. I, and my opinion's not changed on anything I've seen this season. I think Davies and Trippier are perfectly serviceable and very, very good players on their day. But they're not wing-backs. I think you've got to have that added athleticism and ability to get up and down their wings. And I think Aurier and... 
and Rose are the ones if you're going to play wing backs for me. It's, I've I've, ne- I've never seen anything from any of them four players that's changed my mind on that. Aurier is a bit of a liability in a four, if you ask me. He's better playing as a wing back. Trippier and Davies again. It's about taking them too far out of their comfort zone sometimes playing as wing backs. And we know what Rose can do going forward. He, he was a winger, you know. What I mean, he's still he's, he's more effective going forward than he is going backwards. You might say. And them two, Orian and Rose are safer to play. I think if you've got three defenders behind them. So yeah. it, it, again, depends on the formation. If if we're going with a four, it's Trippier and Davies for me. Okay, and after a stupendous debut, it's only right we hand this question over to Carl Lily White Rose on Twitter. We're going to give him a massive shout out at the end. But Carl, sticking with you. Jordan Bold asked the question, with the first loss already recorded, an international break coming up, and then a huge game against Liverpool also on the horizon, what is your message to the team to get ready for a huge clash September the 15th against Liverpool? What's your speech, Carl, to that dressing room? Well, with this side, they always bounce back. Um, we rarely lose a game and go on to lose a second one. So I definitely, it's the wake-up call that we needed. Like It was calm waters and it's got a bit stormy. But this team is so tight together that they will have each other's back and they'll be back stronger than ever. There you go. A rousing message from Carl after a super, super debut. Well, guys, news coming out of the club this evening. You're listening, obviously, to the show probably on a Tuesday. But Monday night's news was that a further four games have actually been announced at Wembley. They include the Man City fixture, plus our Champions League games also now at Wembley. John, just to get your reaction on that, there's no real surprises there. I think we all expected that was going to be the case Mate, it's no surprise for me. I'm all right with it, Rick. I just wish the club had come out and said, yep. we're going to be at Wembley for two years. Then if they'd have done that and we end up in the new stadium earlier, then this this whole waiting around for the stadium doesn't happen and it doesn't that negative vibe doesn't start the season with, within the club. You've got, you know, you know, like I say, if we if we said, right, two years and it's finished before, then everyone's praising the chairman and the people working on the stadium. I think it was always an ambitious project if you consider... The swamp down the road took, was it three or four years to build? Wembley took seven years to build. You know what I mean? Ch- Chelsea have decided not even to do theirs now. So if you think about how long it's taken so far, it's, it, mate, have a look at the gaff. It's unbelievable. Oh, it looks unbelievable. Uh, it does, yeah, yeah. Breathtaking. It's risen from the ground, so sharpish, it's unbelievable. So I find it hard to have a go at anyone involved in it because it has come up so quick. The trouble is, been the communication from the club. That's been the issue. Mm. You talked about the Daily Mail before, John, didn't you? Doing this ridiculous article about uh, about Deli Alley. The Daily Mail also uh, wrote today, <laughs> not to be all uh, journalists on this, but they said that cheese could lower your cholesterol and blood pressure. My answer to that is, it's a fucking good job that the Spurs has a whole new the Spurs Stadium has a whole room dedicated to that because we're going to need it. <laughs> oh dear! But Carl, come round to you. We've waited so long for the stadium already. Is another couple of months going to make a massive difference? I appreciate for some fans who have come in from overseas, they have put their flights. I totally understand that. But for Spurs living in the UK. You know, we've waited so long already. Does another couple of months make a massive difference, even for speaking as us as you know regular goers to games? I think it's just about being clear. Yeah. So if getting our hopes up about going to particular games, yeah. I mean, if we got to the Liverpool game, it would have been huge. Yeah. But it's just about being clear that if we know we're not going to be in after Christmas or next season or whatever, we just need to know that, like, instead of getting our hopes up for that game, we just need to know, look, it's not going to happen. So, you know, set your sights on whatever date. And then just instead of rearranging fixtures, it just feels like it's a failure. But this stadium is not going to be a failure. It's a huge positive. We just need to know when it's going to happen. 
I do agree. Agree. Spot on. I think that's the best way to wrap up the show. Guys, I just want to say again, a massive thank you to every single one of your questions this week. I'm sorry we haven't got through them all. As always, we try and read uh, a range of your questions every single week. So please keep them coming into the last word on Spurs. It just leads me to say, John, thank you ever so much for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure, John. Pleasure's all mine, mate. Up oh, the Spurs. Up the Spurs. Sammy, thanks as always for the therapy. We'll pay you afterwards. Hey, not a problem, mate. Listen, I'm free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> he's fantastic he really, only. he really should be charging with some of his analogies he's been brilliant and also who's been brilliant tonight a debut and a debut we won't forget in a while the fantastic Carl from Lily White Spurs Carl tell us how Spurs fans can find you on Twitter come on uh, I'm on Twitter at lilywhite underscore Spurs and I'm also on Instagram as the same lilywhite underscore Spurs so hopefully you'll find me over there feel free to chat to me there as well I'll give you a shout Cal listen mate good analytics I mean amongst all the mayhem and my absolute ridiculous analogies and metaphorical <laughs> statements it's good to have some normality and some some common sense spoken and I genuinely believe that everything you said was was bob on mate as well oh, that's you. from my it's perspective it's been an absolute pleasure guys oh you're very calm listen I hope you've enjoyed it I'm sure we'll have you back on us again before the end of the season and guys a little bit of perspective John mentioned it to you earlier I'm going to echo the thought to you again Spurs after four games in the 15-16 season three points after the 16-17 season eight points after the 17-18 season seven points after the 18-19 season nine points we're hanging in there keep the faith we're back for Liverpool also on the radio tonight if you listen to this on the Tuesday enjoy the show and as always come on you Spurs Sports Social Podcast Network Hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino coincidence I think not everybody's loving having fun with it Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at 30,000 feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary BGW. void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus.